Jeremiah chapter 29, I want to speak on the subject entitled Bakesh. Somebody say Bakesh. Say it like you mean it. Say Bakesh or Bakash. Bakash sounds better. Bakash. That's B-A-K-A-S-H. Bakash. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 29. Are you there? Verse number 11 to 14. Bible says that, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. You will search for me and with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. I will bring you to the place from which I have caused you to be carried captive. Hallelujah. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Amen. Verse 13 is what I want you to look at. If you can read verse 13 with me, that would be great. Verse 13. Are you ready? Let's read. Ready? Go. Seek me and find me. Then you will search for me with all your heart. Hallelujah. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The word, there are two words that I want you to look at in this verse. The first one is seek. Somebody say seek. And the second one is search. Somebody say search. The first word in the original language, original text in the Hebrew, the first word seek means bakash. And the second word, search, means darash. And bakash means to seek, to orient yourself to God and to pursue God rather than every other goal. To orient yourself towards God and to seek him rather than every other goal. Amen. You see... There's a man in the Bible named David who was somebody who epitomizes this particular verse of scripture. He was somebody who had a heart to seek after God rather than any other goal. If you look at the Psalms, you, you read the Psalms, you will see a heart. You see, anytime you read the Psalms, I want you to do something for me. Anytime you're reading the Psalms, Try and find the context or the background during which the psalm was written. And you will see that the psalm sometimes or usually has very little to do with what the writer was going through. Amen. I, I, I can give you an example. In Psalm 105. Psalm 105. Um, Let's, no, no, not Psalm, one, Psalm 63. Let's look at Psalm 63. I'll, I'll show you something there. Then I'll show you Psalm 105. Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul tests for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and a testy land where there is no water. Verse 2. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to seek your power and your glory because of your loving kindness for your because your loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise you now when you read this particular scripture that we have seen what is the first somebody who is blessing god isn't it true 
Somebody who is worshipping. Somebody who loves God. Somebody who is uh, uh, blessed to, to worship God. Psalm 63 was after Absalom had come with his army to capture Jerusalem. Jump to verse 7. You see what I'm saying in verse 7. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. Go on. My soul follows closely behind you. Go, go. So you see, all this, this uh, uh, um, uh, place, he was on the run. He was in the wilderness running away from his own son. There's nothing more depressing than for your son to chase you out of town. Are you getting it? But in the midst of all this embarrassment and all this uh, stress and pressure, he stops at uh, 63.1. And he says, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul tests for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and a testy land where there's no water, I am longing to see you. I, I, I wish I could go to the, the sanctuary, the, the house of God, to pray to you. Can you see somebody who had a heart to search for God? You see, as we go on, I said this thing at the, uh, all night, I don't know whether um, at the 31st night, that there are some things that drives you away from the presence of God. Success can drive you away. Isn't that true? You become so successful, you don't have time to pray. You become so successful, you don't have time to go to church. You become so successful that now it's like you have to go to the golf course because those who are rich on Sunday morning will go to the golf course to play golf. It's not church time. Because that's where you can write, you can do mega deals. How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's not very, this is not a classic place to come as a millionaire. So sometimes you will sit at home and order the pastor to come. And say, pastor, come and do a private service for me to preach to me. I am not kidding you. It's something that happens. Hallelujah. But here is a king. Who says that my heart is sold out? I will search and seek you in spite of where I am, what I am doing. When you are going through pressure and stress and a difficult time, the last thing you want to do is to pray. Isn't that true? The last thing you want to do is to, is to go to church. You don't even want to see church people. You, all, you hear somebody say, Pastor, I'm going through some crisis, so I, I want to be out of church for a while. Because the natural thing is that when you are under stress and under fire, you want to be away from the presence of God. But not so with David. Under pressure, he says, I am running to seek the Lord. Amen. So, bakesh means to continuously Search for God. To continue is a continuous tense. My heart is seeking after God. It's a continuous for the presence of God. Which means that he has determined that he will not allow his present circumstances, whatever he's going through, whether in prosperity, in adversity, in peace, or in, in uh, health, he will not allow his present circumstances dictate his heart towards God. There are some people when poverty strikes, you lose your job, you are in trouble, you can't, your, your landlord is after you. Things are not working for you. The first thing you want to do is cut out church. You cut out God. You cut out prayer. How many know what I'm talking about? Because it's not a natural thing to do. 
He said, when everything is okay, I'll go back to church. Amen. But not so for David. He says, he determined that he will make his heart continuously seek after God. There's another scripture in uh, Psalm 42. Look at Psalm 42 with me. This is a time that he is in his palace. He's the king. Everything is working. Everything is wealth with him. He is blessed. Psalm 42 verse 1. As the deer pants after the water brook, so my soul pants after you. My soul tests for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So when he was in prosperity, his heart was seeking after God. When he was in trouble, his heart was seeking after God. And I, I pray that anyone under the sound of my voice, this year, send heart to search and seek after God, no matter what comes. Because how many will agree with me that so far the years is almost the same as the, the year before. And the year before that. In turbulent times, we are still in times where There's a lot of indecisions. Businesses can't plan. People can't, don't know what to do. People can't travel freely because life is almost come to a standstill. How many understand what I'm trying to say? And, and, and so, if we are going to depend on circumstances, we will not even see God. Amen. Most churches are still not fully opened. Most churches are still doing Zoom part-time, uh, in-house part-time, the Omnicron. We still have to seek and search Present continuous. Oh, you, you missed a place to put your hands together. We still need to keep searching for the Lord. Whether we are blessed or not. Whether things work out or not. Because see, when you seek the presence of God, the tables turn eventually. And we know that all things work together for the good of the, them that are called according to with God and according to his purpose as we seek after God as we seek the presence of God he turns it around you see when he was focused on praising God remember the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 2020 the Bible says that as they lifted up their voice to worship and praise God the Lord sent confusion into the camp of the enemies and they rose up and killed one another hallelujah so as you seek after god god will give you a key somebody say god will give me a key and that key will unlock the door of confusion in your life will unlock that door that has of stagnation in your life you see david all the stories and there were so many from the time he was a shepherd boy to the time he died. There were so many encounters David had to go through. If it's uh, either a lion chasing him, a bear coming for him, Goliath coming for him, the Philistines are coming, uh, Saul is coming, you know, other kings are coming. There were so many there were so many adversities. There were so many issues. He was always going through turbulence in his life. The reason why God did not allow him to build the temple was that so much blood. He was always fighting. How many the last few months you've been fighting? The last couple of years you've been fighting. Fighting. You are fighting things. You are fighting and fighting. You see, and sometimes when you are fighting for too long, you forget God along the way. 
Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Because you become so engrossed in the things that, in the fight that you are fighting, that sometimes you forget that God exists. You put God on the back burner. So the Lord gave us a word that if you want me to come into the camp of the enemy and fight your battle for you, then this year keep me in mind. Keep my presence. Fight to get into my presence. Seek the Lord. Hallelujah. Seek the Lord. Search present continuous in spite of what you are going through, in spite of your environment. Keep searching for God. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Because that is the only way we can be victorious. That is the only way we can break out of anything that the enemy has in store for us. Hallelujah. How come David always somehow from, if you read uh, 1 Samuel all the way to uh, 2 Samuel, somehow David always comes out of the trouble. It's like um, this type of uh, Chinese movie. How many watch, watch Chinese? They're, 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 they're somehow the beginning of the movie, you know those character type of movies? The, 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 the blow man. How many know the blow man? The blow man who go through a lot of problems, a lot of problems, but somehow at the end of the, the movie, he will, the killer will die. And the blow man will. We know how the story ends. Hallelujah. We know how the story ends. Somehow we know how the story ends. It's okay to take my jacket off. I'm feeling hot now. My boss, I have to ask for permission. You, you don't live with her. I don't want problems. Hallelujah. Don't laugh. We all have our crosses to bear. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, bakash means what? To seek. Bakash means to press, present continuous seeking the Lord. Amen. You know, you are my God. Earnestly will I seek you. When uh, David was saying, earnestly would I seek you in Psalm 63, what he was trying to say is that I am going to bakash you. In spite of my trouble, I will bakash you. Hallelujah. I'll, early will I seek you. I will seek you with everything I have. Bakash. I pray that we will have that same heart. That keeps seeking after God. We will seek after God. You see, to, to, to seek after God is not a one-time thing. You know, Darash is seeking, searching for God. So you search at a, a time, a given time. You understand? So Darash means I am searching, you know, today I'm searching for God. So I see God and that's Darash. But seeking God is continuous. Amen. As Christians, we should never ever get too complacent with God. Say, I, I know him. I spoke to him the other day. I know what he's, what he's up to. How many know that? How many know that? Even your husband or your wife, you have to keep seeking them. You have to keep studying them. Because every day they are changing. Hello? You don't, you don't agree with me? Huh? Yeah, the wife you married 10 years ago is not the same. All the things that she likes is changing. The husband you married, things have changed. If you think that, oh, as for my husband, if I do this and do this and do this, if I cry a little bit, if I, I, I get angry a little bit, I will, you know, I, I don't have to apologize. 
Some wives don't know how to apologize. They just they would rather get angry. So that it's like interest of peace. We also we okay. But after a while, the guy gets to know that this girl, she thinks she's smart. When you come to my office, one of the, f- the things you will see is a big box of tissue. <laughs> How many have seen a box of tissue in my office before? Yeah, because when I first became a pastor, you know, maybe I've called somebody to really tell the person off because they've done something wrong. And then I start, then the person starts to cry, then I start feeling bad. Then instead of telling the person off, I'll start comforting the person. <laughs> then the, the whole case is, becomes a foolish case. You know, but after a while, I said, no, these people, they think I was born yesterday. <laughs> so now I have a tissue. Cry and let's continue. As, 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 have you finished? Blow your nose. Have you finished? Okay, let's continue that. <laughs> so... It gets to a point, now the tricks that you used to do to get, get away with things don't work anymore. Because you have forgotten that the person is also growing. And you need to continuously lend them. The reason why a lot of people divorce in marriages is because people don't continue to seek. Hallelujah. I'll leave marriage things alone. Next month is coming. We'll talk about some of the things. Hallelujah. How many are looking forward to it? For some reason, I'm looking forward to it this this time around. Amen. This time around, I'm looking forward to it. So, it's good. What to do when you have married a fool? (laughs) You see... Abigail, Abigail says, for as his name is, so is he. He is a fool from his mother's womb. So what to do when you've married a fool? The fact that you have married a fool doesn't mean you must die early. (laughs) So we'll talk about that later anyway. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Hallelujah. What was I saying that I got distracted? What did Pastor Sam say? All right. So keep seeking. Now, how to experience and how to seek the presence of God. I think we started talking about this last week. How many remember? I said last week that um, don't joke with your quiet time. Do you remember that? Then the second one was what? What was the second one? Did I give you the second one? What was the second one? Do not neglect fellowship. Do not neglect coming to church. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Hebrews 10.25 As the manner of some is but exalting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Number three. Always hunger and test for God. Amen. Blessed are those who hunger and test. Matthew 5, 6 to 8 after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. Number four. I say live a clean life, isn't it? Number four. Number five. Have a consistent prayer time. Number six. Imitate the Holy Spirit. Number seven. Ask God to show you his ways. Number. Okay. Let, let's go on with, with the, a lot of the how. I have quite a few. Let's finish that today. Amen. Num, what's the next number? Number. Is it Six. Eight, okay, number eight. Yeah. 
Seek the presence of God in humility. Do you know that Christians are the most arrogant people when we come to the presence of God in prayer? Hello? Or oh, you don't agree with me? We don't even have the posture of prayer. How do the Muslims pray? How many know? How do they pray? Muslim Rahman Rahim, then they go, then they kneel and they prostrate. How do the Jews pray? The Jews pray like this. How do Christians, charismatic Pentecostal Christians, how do we pray? If you are from so, where, where I come from. Manduris Nandu Katuyo, Badedi Alosa, Badi, Tabatanda, Bakutu Yada. The Bible says that God resists the proud. He hates a proud look. Somebody's coming to ask you for money. And the person comes with a... Christelle, I need... I need 200 pounds. Would you give it to him? Why? Why would you not give the 200 pounds? Huh? Why? You're not saying anything. Huh? Because they didn't ask nicely. How, how, many, how many used to be like that when you were little with your parents when you were going to ask for money? You know, I, I remember when I go to my mom for money, I'm like, say, hey, I start with like a mosquito. It's like, what do you want? I want 500. <laughs> ah, why? Do I owe you? Then sometimes I hold her, her, her dress. If you won't give me, uh, then I'll be marching around the chest here and holding her. Am I the only one who used to do that? Eh? Okay, some of you, you are, you, are, you are new generation, but the old school people know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So don't leave me out. Hold, you hold it. Uh, you chase it the whole day because you want to go and buy ice cream. My father, when you go with that attitude... You can easily come with a slap. <laughs> you know, those times I didn't understand why he was so mean. But growing up a little bit, I could understand that you are going through a lot of stress. Maybe you, have to, you are trying to finish a deal. They need some like, like uh, 50000 to close that deal. And that deal will give you a lot of money. And you are thinking how, how you... Then this foolish little boy comes. I want 20 pounds. And they won't ask nicely. You can easily slap them. Or oh, it's only me. Maybe the blood I come from. <laughs> Hallelujah. Humility. Humble yourself under the hand of the mighty God. And he will lift you up. Never go to the presence of God in pride. One of the things that David always did, he knew how to humble himself. He said, I would rather be a doorkeeper. Hallelujah. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. In the presence of God, I am nothing. How many know that we are nothing? Never ever come to the presence of God with your nomenclatures, with you, with the money, the bank account uh, balance. Nobody, God doesn't care. 
Hallelujah. Your, your bank balance don't mean anything to God. Don't have any pride. He says that I hate a proud, there are seven things that God hates. A proud look. Not even pride itself. The look of pride God hates. Hallelujah. God hates pride. Let's be humble. The six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven. Go on. A proud look and a lying tongue. It's not even pride. The resemblance of pride is something I hate. If the person hates a resemblance of pride, then what, what do you think you do to pride? <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes our posture and the way we come, we don't come in humility. We come, you know, we have this religious attitude. Remember Jesus was talking about these parables in, parable in uh, Luke 18. He said that two people went to pray. The Pharisee, he says, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not like this sinner, this tax collector, you know, extortioner, unjust adulterer, even like this tax collector. Next verse, I fast twice a week. I pay my tithe with all my potential. I'm doing 14-day fast and prayer. And the tax collector standing afar off will not even as much as lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, saying, you know, like I said, the Jewish posture, beat his chest and his breast, saying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. Why? Because everyone that exalts himself will be humble. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Hallelujah. Let us not be driven from the presence of God because of pride. Hallelujah. And it, it, it's more those of us who think that we live a clean life. I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't cheat. I don't do any of the big sins. We, 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 it gives us a sense of entitlement. It makes us think that we are entitled to come to God anyhow we like and do anything anyhow. <laughs> Let me leave it there before. There, there are a lot of things going in my head. <laughs> no, it's not nice. <laughs> Psalm, Psalm 10 verse 4. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there are no room. There's no room for God. Amen. In, in Isaiah 57, 15, look at this verse. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits in eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in, in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the, the contrite ones. I said Isaiah 57, 15. 15. Yeah, next part. I dwell in a high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit. Someone say humble spirit. Oh, say like you mean humble spirit. Let us be humble. Let us be humble. Let us not be too familiar with God. You know, we human beings, we have this familiarity that we suffer all the time. How many know what I'm talking about? When you, when you are conversing with somebody for a while, you become so familiar that you sort of sometimes forget the differences between you and the person. Sometimes you forget and you take the, th the person for granted and you take things for granted. 
Do you know that the queen has a certain procedure? You cannot shake a hand in a certain way. You can, there are protocols around the queen. You can't put your, your arms around her to take a picture. <laughs> Do you get it? You cannot, you cannot uh, cross her while she's talking or she's, you can't, you, there are certain things that you are not allowed. And this is a human being. Do you understand? This is a normal human being. You, ha- you can't stand a, a certain proximity with, to her. And when you stand in front of her, you have to put your hands by your side. You can't use your hand to make hand gestures. Before you realize the people, the tall guys around have removed you and thrown you somewhere. Before you go to meet, have an audience with the queen, they will take you through the procedure, the protocol. Things you can do and things you cannot do. It doesn't matter whether you're the uh, president of America or whoever. You have to obey the protocols. And if you don't, you'll be in trouble. You cannot talk while she's talking. No. Like she's go for dinner and she's talking and you're having a conversation with somebody next to you. You can't do that. Hallelujah. But we do that to God. See, most of us, when we go to God in prayer, we don't allow him to talk. How many know what I'm talking about? You go, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Then you get up and leave. Where is his time to talk? Listen, when you go in front of any important person, you must do less talking. More listening and less talking. Look at this Pharisee. When he came to to God, Lord, I thank you that I am not a sinner. I am not one of these uh, uh, dubious guys around. I fast twice a week. I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. I'm not extortionate. I'm not this. I'm, oh. Who are you? When do you give him time for him to speak to you? I don't know whether you've, you've gone through the um, prayer, the Muslim prayer, they pray, they have a, uh, something they recite. Then at a certain point, they stop. It's like they are meditating. Christians, we don't stop. We go and go and go and go till we finish and then get up and leave. That's how come we cannot backashim. Because the protocol and procedure is all wrong. Hallelujah. Am I saying something? The way, the way you have gone quiet, I'm wondering whether. Psalms, Isaiah 66 verse 2. For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. Look at what God looks at. Isaiah 66. says, on this one will I look on him. Somebody say on him. Who is poor and of a contrite spirit. Who trembles at my word. The one who doesn't come with a certain entitlement. Sense of entitlement. They don't come with a certain posture like you have to. But trembles at my word. That is the one. Amen. I pray that we will become seekers. We will become people that that are always seeking after God. That our heart is for him. That we are so broken in his presence. That we don't take him for granted. Amen.
What number am I on? Number nine. Number nine, identify and remove sinful actions in your life. In Isaiah 59, verse 1 through to 3, he says that, Behold, the hand of the Lord is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities or your sins have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. That is why he will not hear you. Amen. In Psalm 20, 24, verse 3 and 4, 3 to 6, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has a clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob and the generation of those who seek him. The seek here is Bakash. Those who seek him, who seek your face. Amen. Oh, I said amen. amen. Clean hands. Someone say clean hands. Amen. And a pure heart. You know, sometimes as Christians, especially when we feel that we have clean hands, we concentrate more on our hands than our heart. How many know what I'm talking about? So your hands signify the things that you know people do that you don't do. People steal, you don't steal. People chase other people's husbands and wives, you don't do that. People are this, you, don't, you are not like that. And so that becomes your strength. But you forget that you are also very unforgiving. You forget that you are also very proud. You forget that your heart is full of. Fighting. Fighting. How many know what I'm talking about? You are a fighter. You like to, you, you have, if the person is not, does not support what you support, you want something bad to happen to the person. You are praying that God should punish the person. God should let something bad happen. And when something bad happens to such a person, you go, my God is alive. (laughs) How many know what I'm talking about? My God is alive. My God is the one who is in charge. You know how we, we Christians go to God and we say God should kill our enemies? Because our enemies, we automatically assume are God's enemies. Who told you that your enemy is God's enemy? It's like a father that sits in a chair and sees his two children. And this one is fighting with that one. And then this one says, Daddy, beat him for me. Because I don't like him. How many understand what I'm saying? How many know that we do that a lot? Even churches. When you go to a church and they are praying, you can know which church they are angry with. <laughs> which church has suddenly become Satan's church? That God should punish and God should kill. Send fire to destroy them. Why? Because they were part of us and they've left and gone there. So because they've left, God should kill them. If God was doing that, you would have been the first to be killed. (laughs) Didn't you also leave somebody? Hallelujah. We don't go to God with a pure heart. See, David was a bad boy. How many know that David was a bad boy? David's hands were not very clean. But one thing about David was that his heart was always pure. One of the things you can say about David, he had a pure heart. Anytime he had a deal with anybody, he followed through the deal. 
He honored the deal. The reason why David never killed Joab, Joab was his army general. Joab should have been the first person to have been eliminated because David will give a command. Joab, his army general, will go and give a counter command. David says that don't kill Abner. I have made a truce with him. Abner was the army commander of Saul. See, don't kill him. We have made a truce, so let him go. Joab passes behind. Calls Abner. Let's come for a meeting. Abner comes knowing that he has a, a truce with. Joab kills Abner. Joab says that don't kill Absalom. He's my son. I am the one who gave birth to him. I am the one he has overthrown. I am the one who he, he has offended. Don't kill him. What does Joab do? But because he had sworn that he would keep him, so he said, me, I will never kill him. If it were you or me. Look at Saul and what Saul did to him. And then you go and see Saul squatting to ease himself. And you don't kill him. Uh, <laughs> I'm having a picture in my mind. I won't say, tell you what it is. But he says that I will not touch the Lord's anointed. To the point that when Saul died, and the one who came to give the message thought that he's coming to bring good news to David. David took him and killed him. Because today is a bad day for the history of this land. And you have come as if you want to rejoice. Hallelujah. Your heart is very important. Your conscience is very, very important. If you're going to seek after the presence of God, watch your heart. Watch your thoughts. What evil thoughts do you have against your brother? What evil thoughts do you have against people, other people? What are you thinking? What bad thing are you thinking about them? He that comes to God must have clean hands and a pure heart. They are the ones who are allowed to be in his presence. I don't care how many uh, big tongues you speak. I don't care how much revelation you have. If you have an evil disposition against people, you will not make the presence of God. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah, because sometimes we do a lot of a lot of religion. We feel we do a lot of spiritual things, and that those spiritual things makes us proud, thinking that we are doing something great. We are in the presence of God, but our heart has blocked us from His presence. We are in the corridor shouting. And we think he's hearing us. Your heart is very important. Yeah, they gossiped about you, so what? Yes, they said evil things about you. So what? Why are you wishing evil for them? Hallelujah. Are you learning something? Psalm 140, verse 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. Amen. The upright will dwell in your presence. That upright there is not talking about just uh, being goody to shoes type of person, but having a pure heart, pure conscience. Amen. Unfortunately, the most significant obstacle to experiencing God's uh, presence is our, the lives, the sins that in our lives. Sin damages the relationship we have with God. God is holy. God is holy. We cannot come to God without holiness. Amen. You cannot live anyhow and because you can pray in tongues. You think that the tongues covers your your sins. It doesn't. Amen. 
The wages of sin is death, isn't it? Hallelujah. Number 11. I have, I have three more minutes. Let me give you one and then we can go. Pray that God will open your eyes to encounter the presence of God. Second Kings 6, 17 to 20. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. So the Syrians came down to him and Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike these people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, this is, this is not the way, nor is it the, the city you fo follow me. I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria, then Elisha said, Lord, open their eyes of these men and that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and immediately they saw they were inside Samaria. Hallelujah. So Elisha prayed that open their eyes so he may see. As a believer, one of the things that we must always pray for is that God should open our eyes. Do you know that when God opens your eyes for you to encounter him in a certain way, you watch the way you behave. From then on. How many know what I'm talking about? If you can see the things around you that are not naked to the eye. And you can see what God is seeing. And the things around you. Your behavior will change. Amen. I pray for all of us that we will become people that have the spiritual eye to see what, who God is. I always say that the most the thing that makes anyone significant is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. When you encounter God in a certain way, your life transforms. Amen. Amen. I pray for all of us that we'll become people that are seekers of God's presence. People that are not a, 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 a Dakash type of, uh, of, of seekers. People just search within a, a frame of time and that's it. But it's going to be a continuous present seeking of God. As we seek, we will find. In Matthew 7, 7, it says that seek and you shall find. Isn't it? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. How many want to encounter the presence of God? Stand to your feet.